Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. everyone. I'm Kama, and you can find me at Oxford Splice on Twitter. And today I'm joined by Lot. Hi, I'm Lot, the Lady of Tarth on Twitter. And Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky. I'm at the Chikrin on Twitter. And Devin. Hey, this is Devin, GD Harpo on Twitter. So today we are discussing um, a Game of Thrones brand six. Um, I don't think it's going to come up, but, well, we always spoil everything. So, you know, if you're <laughs> just be forewarned. Um, and I, as I said, I don't think it's going to come up, but sometimes we do end up talking, um, having to discuss rape and violence. So if those are triggering, maybe this is not the right chapter for you. Um, I could basically condense this down if I wanted to, too. There's a couple of conversations. This is very low action-wise, but um, if we did that, we'd have a five-minute podcast. So um, basically... Yeah, it, uh, was, it was like a very dense world-building chapter, right? I mean... Yeah. Like, like lists a, and lists of people and lords and stuff. There's a ton of exposition in here. Um, I think it's it's interesting. I mean, reading it, like, on the reread, um, it's there's like a lot of, like you said, world building, scene setting. There's a lot of exposition and a lot of stuff that's, I think, comes up later. So, um, but basically, yeah, I mean, for sure, you need to know some of it. Yeah, but it, it was I was sitting there reading it and I was like, oh my god, this is like one of those books in the yeah. Bible where it's just like they read seventeen <laughs> generations of a family or something. <laughs> yeah this one was like a lot of table setting and a lot of stuff we just yeah world building that we didn't particularly need but yeah so how do we now like recap and share in an interesting way on a podcast episode (laughs) that there folks is the challenge i've taken notes because i am that professional and um that was me snorting um but basically it's all from brands pov um, there, there's a giant party at Winterfell right now. There are 12,000, like, northern lords and their men. And, I mean, that is a lot of people. Um, which, I mean, I was just sort of, you know, when you reread this and you're going, oh, my God. That's like a, it's like a small, you know, a large town, actually. Um, Bran... Bran is dealing with a lot of stuff in this chapter. I mean, he wants it. Normally he'd be running around, riding, going out amongst all the people to see everything that's going on. But obviously that can't happen anymore. Um, And more so he's been confined to the castle by Rob, which sounds like it's a good deal because with these 20, 12,000 people, there's a lot of tension. Um, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. There was a fair amount of exposition in here that I guess is interesting. And I don't know how I, I don't think I liked this chapter in the beginning. And now I'm like, Oh, okay. That's why there are only a few nights in winter or in West, um, the North. Like we learn like 
the South has way more knights because in order to be a knight in Westeros, you have to swear to the faith of the seven. And most of the people in the North don't believe in that. Um, it's amazing. There's any knights in the North knowing that now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, it's also, I mean, Bran is sort of, Maester Lewin has figured out a way to get Bran, care, you know, moving around, which is basically Hodor has this sort of basket type contraption on his back and carries Bran. Um, and Bran basically, a lot of this chapter takes place in, actually most of it takes place in the Godswood. Um, so it's basically supposed to be like a, a baby Bjorn on, on Hodor's <laughs> back, basically, right? Yes, like a, a woven this basket. Yeah, a woven right, baby right. Bjorn. Brown Braun Bjorn. Brand Bjorn. I can't say it. That's a tongue twister. <laughs> Brand Bjorn. <laughs> there's an uh, um if anybody out there has the illustrated edition, there's a really good illustration of Hodor carrying Bran into what I assume is the Godwoods. Um and he's in like he's in the basket. You can't see the basket that well. It kind of just looks like um he's just on Hodor, Hodor Hodor's back, but um you can see it a little bit, and you can kind of tell what it is. I kind of love this bit, too, the chapter, with, like, Bran being in this basket thing. Because it's, like, he's talking about how he has, like, a new vantage. And at one point, he's looking at um, his maester's, the top of his maester's head, and how it's so thin, and he can see the scalp. And it's, like... It's balding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's Maester Lewin's bald spot now. Yeah. Even this chapter is like a lot of exposition and world building or whatever. It's a lot of it too is about Hodor. It's a very Hodor centric chapter. Um, yes. Especially when you get like the chat a bit with Osha that will come later with the the giants and stuff. Like it's yeah, getting getting to know Hodor in this chapter. I I also liked um, and I'm going to read um, a little passage here um, about the Godswood because it's it's. I always find these really interesting, how different characters react to the godswoods. Um, Bran had always liked the godswood, even before, but of late he found himself drawn to it more and more. Even the heart tree no longer scared him the way it used to. The deep red eyes carved into the pale trunk still watched him, yet somehow he took comfort from that now. The gods were looking over him, he told himself. The old gods, gods of the Starks and the first men and the children of the forest, his father's gods. He felt safe in their sight and the deep silence of the trees helped him think. Bran had been thinking a lot since his fall, thinking and dreaming and talking with the gods. And um, he basically, he's, he's praying and he wants, he wants Rob not to leave or if Rob has to leave that he's going to bring everybody back and that, Rickon will understand what's going on. Um, he wants his sisters back, his father, his mom. He wants everyone to be back and safe and sound. Um, and honestly, it sounds like Rickon has basically gone feral. Um, yeah. Yeah, it does. It's kind of like there's this whole ominous feeling to this entire chapter. Um, you know, it's it's clearly, you know, kind of like Bran tuning into um, – what he will eventually tap into, I imagine, with the werewoods, where he kind of can feel, um, he, he feels doom happening around him without actually being able to completely understand that. So you see all these these signs where he's thinking about, you know, everybody who's gone south and who hasn't come back. And Rickon is explicitly saying, 
no, I don't want Rob to go south because nobody comes back from there. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of like it, it invades the whole thing. It's kind of tough because Bran's a little kid and you're like, you know, you're aware that he can't quite completely put the whole thing together. But as the reader, especially knowing where this is going, you're like, oh, God. He knows. He knows Rob shouldn't go. Everybody knows Rob shouldn't go, but nobody can stop him from going. Yeah. Yeah. Such and life. There's um there's stuff in this chat like it it all kind of comes to a head. I think it's Brand's next chapter. Um the light spoiler that they get the news that um that Ned is gone, that he, yeah. that he was um beheaded or whatever. I think that's his next chapter. And that's kind of everything from this chapter coming to a head at the end of his next one. So yeah, the, the impending doom is, is there. Yeah. Like this chapter, all I have are rumors, right? I, I thought that some of them were funny, like the, the, the rumors of what, you know, is going on with Ned in the South. And, you know, some of them that like, you know, he's he, Ned himself has killed Robert. There's others that, uh, Lord, I like this one that Lord Eddard fled South with Renly. And I couldn't help but think if that was like a little dig, <laughs> It's like a giant game of telephone. I mean, everyone's making it more (laughs) worse and worse. Well, or more fantastical. Um, There's like a lot of stuff in here. Like we're, because of course, Bran is thinking all of this. Like these men, I think there's all the bannermen either they want things from Rob or they want to marry Rob off to one of their relatives. Um, and there's some, it's interesting. There's some setup for stuff that's going to happen in like a storm of swords and dance in particular. Um, I think a lot of the tensions are occurring because Rob is 15 and there are these men going, well, hell, you know, I'm going to get what I want. Yeah. Um, Well, there's like, there's like that sense of when you get a new boss and everybody immediately has to test the new boss and see if they can get away with the things they've wanted, you know? Or they'll bring up some some idea that they've had for years that's been shot down twenty times by other people, and they'll they'll you know bring it back up and see if they can get away with it with a new boss. Like there's just a whole <laughs> feeling of you know let's push every boundary, and it's kind of cool where you see Rob is clearly aware that that's happening. Like like what with like what happens with the Great John, where the Great John yes. you know draws his sword on him, which he's not supposed to do, and you know. Rob, you know, very coolly handles the situation with Grey Wind and everything. But then afterward, you hear Rob confessing to Bran that he was terrified and thought he was probably going to die. Thought he was going to shit his pants or die. <laughs> yeah, there's, um, I, I think that's, I, I, it's also interesting because, I mean, we're getting, in this world building, I mean, it becomes really clear that the North is, is no, is by no means an entirely united kingdom. There's a lot of different things going on here. Um, which I think is, I mean, it's foreshadowing for what's going to happen. Um, yeah, they also, I was just saying, I I think George has done a really good job of just kind of illustrating how rough around the edges these Lords are compared to the Southern Lords, um, outwardly anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he's introduced what will, you know, like Com said, be the big conflicts in, in clash and, you know, eventually in storm, you know, you've got, you see Bruce, you know, doing some maneuvering and his men are known for being bloodthirsty and Rob's a little, you know, scared that he has a room full of the skins of his enemies. And then you see the stuff with the Karstarks. You actually open with the Karstarks and you have Rickard Karstark coming with his sons and his sons get, you know, kind of we'll a little about- a little extra screen time. And, you know, eventually yeah. that will matter. We'll it's, talk about it, like um, 
like rumors. I mean, there's that whole bit where Rob and Bran are talking about the skins, you know, <laughs> at, at uh, the Dreadfort going, well, that can't be real. Can it? You know, <laughs> that's just one of the old man's stories. Right. Right. <laughs> mm, probably not. Um, what else happens? Okay. They get um, Sansa's letter and uh, Rob is just, I think, dumbstruck at it. And um, there's this tiny little bit I wanted to read where, there's a lot in this chapter about the wolves, the dire wolves. And and it sort of pinpoints the big problem with Sansa is like, Rob is like, what what the hell is wrong with her? And Bran is like, Bran felt all cold inside. She has lost her wolf. Um, and that's one of the things that I think is, is, I mean, of all of them, Sansa doesn't have that anymore. And again, there's this, everyone who goes south doesn't come back. Um, yeah. And then um, Osha comes by, um, sort of horrified to realize she sort of struck a deal where she lets somebody have sex with her so she can go off to pray. Okay, you know. Jesus. Um, but um, Osha has evidently overheard some of his prayers, which are all of which are going to be futile. And um, she tells him he has to listen to the, the gods and that the rustling of the trees is them talking back to him and he can't understand that so he asks her what are they saying and she says um, referring to the old gods they're sad your lord brother will get no help from them not where he's going the old gods have no power in the south the weirwoods there were all cut down thousands of years ago how can they watch your brother when they have no eyes I love this bit. I really do. It's like, it's just so haunting. And I like that it, um, there's a hint of like the history. There's, there's a story behind this, you know, it's very atmospheric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like and no one's listening things. to her. Yeah, that too. So, like, she's already told this to people and no one will listen. Yeah. That's she tried. She's, she understands all these things that no one else seems to understand. And it, you know, you're just like, Oh my God, if they would listen to her right now, everything would change. And she says the thing that will become a total refrain, which is, you know, don't go South, go North. You need to take your men and you need to go North. I was, I was reading those, those, those lines from her. And I was like, God, this is why it's so ridiculous that anyone thinks that what game of Thrones, the show did, you know, making (laughs) Cersei Lannister, the, the final conflict of the books rather than, you know, everything that's happening with the others in the North as, you know, the, the main showdown is just so laughable and ridiculous because that's George's whole thing the whole time. You're yeah. all being distracted by something. The real, the real threat is to the North. You know, when he had that conversation, the book opens the way it does. Ahead, well, I was just saying that's why the book opens the way it does. And then we kind of get away from that outside of being at the wall um, and what's going on in John's chapters in this first book, like nobody else is really aware of what's really what the real issue is. But as the reader, it's always kind of in the back of our minds, like, yeah, that prologue, I, I feel like that's that's what y'all need to be worried <laughs> about right now. But they just have no clue and won't. OSHA's of the North and she's a woman. So, of course, they're not going to listen to her. But she's a was she a wildling? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they so they're of course, they're not going to listen to her, but only if they would. I know. You know what else was interesting in this that I'd never really noticed before is that you kind of get the sense that Osha actually knows Mance, not yes. just like knows of him, but actually knows him. Yeah, it sounds like they 
they've interacted at least. Yeah, I, I don't ever remember realizing that before. Yeah, there's there was a lot in here that I picked up that I I had totally you know I had totally like not picked up before, um, and it just slipped by, but. Well, look, we could could all be forgiven for just kind of skim reading this chapter (laughs) on rereads because it's just so full of information. There is some story in here, too, but it's kind of buried. It's very dense in some respects. I do think, getting back to what you were just saying about the real conflict of this series, it strikes me that instead of, like, I I read that when um, Benioff and Weiss were trying to get the rights to the the series, they asked, uh, George asked them, his big question to them was who is John's what is John's parentage? And it strikes me that the better question would have been to ask, what do you think the major conflict is? <laughs> well, it didn't seem like that would be such a, a thing to have to like pull out of somebody. <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's so much that's just in retrospect. Um, yeah. More would be there's... the fools and George would have said like, Oh, it's Cersei. <laughs> You're wrong. It's Cersei. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kama's Bran not even going to entertain it. With, with Lewin, <laughs> he does try to like he does pass on this information. Lewin, of course, is dismissing it out of hand. Um, he's been basically put in like he's getting a lot of pity and a lot of disgust from the Northern contingent, and um, I think. Lewin tries to tell him he could be a maester, that that might be, like, a, a future for him. Um, but Bran wants to learn magic, and Lewin's like, yeah, I can't do that. Um, and then basically, um, Rob leaves and makes Bran lord in his place. And poor Rickon refuses to come down. This this broke my heart. And he, like, loses his shit, which a uh, total sympathy. Like, no farewell. I told him, Bran said. He says... No one ever comes back. Um, and then everybody leaves, and eventually the yard is empty. And then this part just, Hodor, it ends with the, these lines. Hodor asks him, Hodor? Hodor, Bran agreed, wondering what it meant. Ugh. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. Reading this chapter, knowing, you know, even just what we know from getting through um the end of the books that have been written, but also knowing like the Hodor reveal from the show about how he gets the name Hodor. Um, This whole chapter is a little eerie because when, Mm. when Bran is on Hodor's back, you kind of get this sense of Bran is starting to control what Hodor do does and like it tells him what to do and things. And it's a little eerie in retrospect, (laughs) seeing it begin to happen here. Yeah. Um, It's like kind of a, it's kind of a foreshadowing, I think. I don't know, it was it was it's sad. It's dense. I feel so bad for little Rickon. <laughs> you know what we should talk wrong. about too with Rickon is the the part where Rickon goes down into the crypts. He they can't find him. He disappeared for like a day, right? Oh my God. Yeah. They, they find him in the crypts, and he and this is Rickon, who's not even four years old yet, picks oh up a, one of the rusted swords, you know, from one of the the the, the graves. And attacks them, and and Shaggy Dog attacks the people who are trying to like these are just you know family and retainers, and he's attacking them. Um, that's some crazy wild shit, and I'm sure it's foreshadowing something. I'm not 100 percent sure what, yeah. but it's not good. 
Yeah, how do you glaze over something yeah, like that? I have like a four year old. I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Rickon gets really, really, you know, bad here. I mean, it's like when you think about such a tiny kid, I mean, you know, not even four years old. This is a very, uh, uh, I mean, on one hand, obviously, we, we always question how much George understands about, you know, kids that age, because um, sometimes things are a little off. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty rough. Like this is this is clearly a kid going through a very very hard time. Yeah, and then he has this. I mean, he has this beast that does nothing but feed off his emotions. Yeah, like that is not good for anybody involved because it's clear that like because it I think it said it took uh, Rob and um, Grey Wind to even stop um, Shaggy Dog when he like I think I can't remember who it was he bit like tore somebody's a piece out of somebody's thigh and it was yeah. It was like Micken, right? The the black yeah, Micken, yes. yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, it, yeah. That's bad that. enough in an adult, but I mean, presumably most adults who are normal would have some sort of control, or you know, and and Rickon, of course, is a child and doesn't. So yeah, it's the whole the wolf feeding off. That's a very good description, feeding off the emotions, because that is what's happening. You're right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think there's probably some sort of uh, I don't know allegory to to what the Starks are because you know like in the same way that we talk about the the Targaryens and you know the gods flipping a coin or whatever you know with the way that George does his mm-hmm. weird genetic trait thing with the Starks there are kind of two kinds of Starks right there's there's the Ned Stark who's you know the quiet and grave and and dutiful and then there's like the Lyanna and Brandon type Starks you know like like Jamie says later you know Brandon Stark had blood in his veins, you know, like I do, like, you know, not cold, very hot, running hot. And I mm-hmm. think Rickon is in many ways, like the embodiment of the, the hot running <laughs> blood of the Starks. Like he's just wild. Do we have any mail? Yes, we do. We have a few um, pieces of mail here. So um Cardinal Girl 75 on Discord um, asks several of Rob's bannermen suggest that he uh, marry one of their daughters. And in what turns out to be a serious foreshadowing, Theon jokes that one of them will sneak a girl into uh, his bed so Rob has to marry her. But how different would things have been if he'd taken one of them up on the suggestion? Would the war have ended sooner because Catelyn would not have had Rob to dangle as a uh, matrimonial prize for Walter Frey, and therefore they would have been stuck at the Green Fort for the Lannisters to get? Or um, would he have been willing to accept Bran or Rickon as a uh, son-in-law, um, Walter Frey? Um, this question here, like it always, I think mean, we've talked about it several times, but it always baffles me that there was nothing already in place for Rob. He's 15. And yeah. in this world, that yeah. is, like you're a man grown. Something should have been set up for him. And something should have been set up for Sansa by this point, honestly, um, with their bannermen or, who, or whoever. But they had, Ned and Catelyn had nothing in place for their kids. Yeah, that's it's always crazy. been weird to me. It is. Well, and it's like, even if they didn't have a betrothal set, you'd think they'd have like two or three options they were weighing or, yes. you know, considering and waiting to Discussions. see how things shook out or something, you know, but there's just nothing. Well, you can tell by the way Ned talks about Joffrey and Sansa that he just hasn't thought about it once. I mean, this is, it's interesting. I mean, I don't, like, the people who have daughters, I, like, I don't know how to say his name. Is it Cal? I mean, on the show, they call them 
Cowan, but I don't think that's. I think Sir, it's supposed to be Kerwin. Kerwin's daughter it or not. Um, I mean, the car Stark option. I mean, there's a couple of things. I mean, I mean, Walder wants like what, what Walder really wants on the table. I mean, he wants to marry out. He's got a shitload of kids and grandkids who need to be married off and he wants respect. And I mean, they would have had, they would have had Edmure, they would have had other people to presumably like barter with. Yeah, so th- I don't this know. wouldn't have changed anything, I don't think, for that reason. There's other people that she yeah, could have used. there's other, yeah. So, I mean, presumably, and if, unless those people had all, like, gotten out of the, you know, tried to get out of those deals, I mean, that would have worked, I guess. But, I mean, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, like, if... And this is like Devin said, I we've said so many times, like, I don't understand why there was no general, like, even if it was them just starting to have these discussions and plans, because do you shore up, like, it sounds like the North has a lot of conflict. So presumably one option is to have some of your kids marry the kids of your bannermen or your bannermen themselves with their daughters and sort of shore up those alliances or do you go bigger and try to, you know, marry him off or the kids off to, you know, other people from the great houses? And I don't know. Which is what Rickard Stark, Ned's father, did. He, right. he had betrothals. Well, not for Ned or, or Benjen, but for his heir, Brandon, and for his daughter, Liana. He did have betrothals set up. And they were, you know, as we call them, the Southern Ambitions. He... He was trying to do exactly that. And it's like you get the sense from Ned that he just like completely wanted to pretend that wasn't a thing that he at all needed to worry about. And maybe, you know, you do have I mean, Roos has problems with all of his neighbors, many of whom are shortly going to be dead. I mean, there are people there who would probably love the chance to a lot like these people would a lot. You know, they'd ally with the Starks. They'd shore up those relationships. You'd build new ones. I mean, those are options. I don't know what Lewin would have advised. Because I have to think without Catelyn present, that's a discussion that Lewin would have had. I mean, he would have been the main person going, well, you know, I don't know if you should do this or you should marry these people or what. And what's he been doing all this time? Has he not suggested any marriage or anything? (laughs) It feels like that Ned just got so comfortable being in the North because when was the last time he really left the Greyjoy Rebellion, maybe? Um, And it's like they've just gotten so comfortable with their way of life that it was just pro- I, it doesn't even seem like him and Kat ever even discussed it. Is there like a fanfic I'm wondering to be written here where like Lewin like just keeps coming in the room going um we really need to talk about this and they keep going no not now you know we don't want to talk about it now we'll deal with it later <laughs> I would so <laughs> not read that <laughs> I mean that would be my but I mean like I, I do kind of wonder if that was maybe like if people were I can't imagine this is the first time these bannermen were like because they would meet with I mean net are these Rob and Bran are familiar with some of these men. I mean, they've come by before. So presumably, I mean, even if Ned wanted to stick his head in the sand and not discuss it, I can't imagine these people wouldn't have been bringing it up. Or just his There had to have been like, pro- I mean. <laughs> uh, offers at some point, yeah. you would think, from some of his bannermen or something. Well, for sure. <laughs> I think the I think Walder could have that could have worked. I mean, with other people, 
but. Um, our next, we have another from Cardinal Girl, Cardinal Girl 75 on Discord. Um, although it's stated that Rob doesn't name Sansa his heir in A Storm of Swords because she's married to Tyrion, do you think the letter she wrote to Rob and Catelyn played any role in his decision? Yes. Yeah, yeah I feel like it does. Because it has to just always be in the back of his mind. Yeah. Um, with the way he reacts to it here. Um, like, yeah, Grant I definitely think that played a part. forget his face, his expression. I have to think there's some level of blame. I mean, even if rationally, like he cools down and, you know, people are like, well, she probably didn't like write any of that. He'd still blame her. Yeah. A lot of people seem to do that for some reason. I think more than anything, <laughs> it's, it's evidence that she can be used. And I think that would be also something that he would probably think would be a disqualifier. And you know, later is. Yeah, it would be a weakness, a weak point in his mind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, from Ancient Octagon on Reddit, um, they ask, um, would you rather take a bath in the pools of Winterfell's Godswood or take a bath in Harrenhal's bathhouse? Winterfell, go- Winterfell's Godwoods, because why would I want to be in Harrenhal ever? <laughs> oh, yeah. For that's, any- um, that's a good point. I, I got to go with Winterfell's Godswood, too. I don't know. Is yeah, this like it depends on who was in the bath before you? Was it Hodor or was it Jamie and Brienne? <laughs> <laughs> well, but like with Winterfell, it's a big pool and presumably natural, so you'd think it would be kind of like replenishing and cleaning itself. I've always wondered with those hair and hall baths. I'm like, you, you mean they're just constantly lit and just sitting there full of hot water all the time? Like that sounds like a dermy mess. Fungal <laughs> bacteria galore and God knows what else. Totally hot tub rashes galore. Yeah, no, for sure. An outdoor, natural, heated spring. I mean, it seems like a no-brainer. I was just being a little tongue-in-cheek, yeah. like if it was post-Hodor or post Jamie. Oh, oh, I get you. I get you. <laughs> Bottle that shit. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is all the questions, uh, all the mail. But I have two questions I just thought about. Um, one, do y'all think Rickon survives the story? I want to believe I or... If he does, if he doesn't, I, I cannot believe he dies in that incredibly stupid manner that they did on the show. No. Oh, that definitely won't happen. No, 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 no. I think there's more, there's going to be a lot more with Rickon. Um, I feel like there's too many seeds that have been planted in, like, who he is as a yes. character, where George is planning to take him. Uh, does he, like, survive, survive to the end of the series? That probably, I don't know, who knows. But there's there's more to Rickon. Yeah. It, it, I mean, yeah, I guess... I always I wonder. Guess well, George could kill Rickon because he clearly can kill kids, but I don't think Rickon will die. I mean, people talk about the the fact that his wolf is named Shaggy Dog and how Shaggy Dog mm-hmm. stories never go anywhere. But I think that's more about the fact that um, right now everyone assumes that Rickon is going to be the lord and take over Winterfell because they kind of discount Bran because of his injuries. And, you know, he's missing and technically some people think they know where Rickon is. Um, so, I mean, like, I think I think the shaggy dog is the fact that it's not Rickon who's going to be the Lord of Winterfell. It's going to be Bran, probably. Mm. But, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of think he's got a good sh- good shot at making it to the end. I mean, what is George running around killing, like, five-year-old kids that we've gotten to know? I mean, 
Yeah, I and not. I don't see a purpose in killing Rickon either. But all of no. like the, the general consensus in fandom is that he won't make it, and it's solely based on Shaggy Dog. Yeah, um, it's a hundred percent based on Shaggy Dog, and I'm like, it could just mean that he's not the guy. It doesn't mean he has exactly. to die. But I, I think, and I hope he makes it. So, um, the other question I had: Do we know how big actual giants were? Because they, um, he says that they would like sleep with regular sized women. Oh, yeah, but well, it didn't she, go well. She <laughs> mentions like heights in there, like specific heights. So it doesn't sound like they're. Yeah, I mean, they're, she she says 12, 13, 14 feet, something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. I thought it was like ten feet. It was like the lowest. Like that was stunted and like that would be a runt. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then, like thirty or something preposterous for. Yeah, but, but if they're like, ridiculous. yeah, I mean, physically speaking, there's got to be, a, yeah. Okay, I can't believe I'm thinking about this now. Thank you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's the same issue I have with Hagrid <laughs> and how he was born. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it just doesn't make it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, yeah. Well, like Osha says, like the only way that you get, you know, the the quote unquote half giants are, you know, that that giant women take human men as their lovers. I guess right. Because that's I the only way it works. If a giant like. They they couldn't live after that. A giant and like a regular size. That's no. No, it says that they it doesn't go well. <laughs> but <laughs> I guess maybe their babies are just born small. Maybe they grow faster after birth. Because that's the other thing. Like, who wants to give birth to a giant baby? Nobody. Well, this just makes me think of Tormund of Giant's Bane and his stories about <laughs> the giant woman that took him in. Oh my. Well, uh, anything else before we wrap up? I mean, how do you follow that line of conversation? I, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> Thanks, Devin. I don't think you can. Well, then, um, thank you. Um, if you would like to send us mail, we love getting messages. Um, and if you have any, you can email us at close the door and at gmail.com. Or you can send us a message on Tumblr at close the door and come here.tumblr.com. Or you can find us at Door Podcast on Twitter. Um, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, and all the places. It helps other people find the podcast. Um, we'd also like to thank our Patreons and um, invite you to consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, you'll get benefits like special episodes and exclusive early access to new content. Um, I'd like to thank our panel and to thank you for listening. I'm closing the door. Get out.